Hi, this is Keith R.A. DeCandido, author of many, many books, and you are listening to The Melting Podcast. You're listening to The Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. Hey, lexiconosaurs and word chefs. Welcome to episode 80. 80 Al. (laughs) Welcome to episode 84 of the Melting Podcast. I am your grill mistress, Aaron Kazmark. I am the dish boy, Theo Kazmark. He's very sure of that. Who are you? Who? Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm your head chef, AF Graf, and I run this joint. And apparently, you are also an afterthought. Yeah, it's fine. Also, part of the uh, the disaster kitchen is under construction right now by a toddler junior chef. So, any strange noises you hear, like that, that that's what that is. Yeah, we're we're getting an extra oven put in, and I don't know why it's in the other room. And apparently, we got it at IKEA. Also, it doesn't work. <laughs> Never no, don't shop at IKEA. There, there, there. Don't go to IKEA, kids. <laughs> oh, it's, it's finished. Great. <laughs> so that's how this episode's going to be. Just be aware of it. Um, that was really funny. The timing couldn't be finished. Oh, good. You finished again. <laughs> This is not your game. Okay. <laughs> so, it's July 1st, guys. <laughs> Yay. Summer construction. I hate summer. <laughs> summer! Uh, why, don't, uh, why don't we use one of the ovens that's not currently being worked on to, to get a, a main ingredient story out for our, uh, for our listeners? I think that's a good idea. Okay. <laughs> but you know what? Let's just do this. Bon appetit. The Chosen One by Christopher Michael She fought the return to consciousness with a bitter desperation and painful futility. Once she was forced to acknowledge the lost battle, she sat upright. Her thin frame moved slowly, like it always did in the morning. And she would have been willing to swear she was feeling every year of the century she'd spent somehow not managing to die. She didn't really want to face the day, but her rebellious body had taken that choice away from her. (laughs) With a groan and a gesture, she filled the goblet by her bed with bourbon and coffee. Seconds later, finding the mug empty, she did it again. She continued this process for several hours until she felt properly caffeinated and suitably buzzed. Then she went to the lavatory to take care of the necessary. Later, after filling the goblet one last time, she heaved a sigh and stalked over to the mirror. On the way, she snagged her favorite robe, black lace and bright pink ducks, out of the air and pulled it around her thin shoulders. All right, you reflective hunk of malfunctioning metal and sorcery. 
Let's get this over with. You find him yet? The mirror rippled slightly, her reflection wavering and disappearing into a smoky blackness. You could at least close the robe. The voice coming was throaty and low-pitched, carrying a faintly disgusted tone. Just because I've been forced to inhabit this location doesn't mean I don't have standards, you know. She rolled her eyes, using one hand to cinch the rope tighter. You didn't answer the question. You didn't perform the ritual. Now the voice was definitely pouting. I need the ritual, you know that. Pentagrams, virgin blood, the works. She sighed and tossed back nearly half of the drink. Listen, you possessed piece of half-priced furniture. I did the blasted ritual yesterday when I set up the search. All I'm asking for is the results. Just tell me whether or not you found him. The mirror muttered something quietly and indistinctly. She called her staff over from the bedside, gripped it firmly in her free hand, and smacked the side of the wardrobe where the mirror was displayed. Hard. You said something? Her voice contained a dangerous note, a slight hardening around the edges. I said I found the one you seek, O sorceress of the lands, the child of prophecy, the one on whom resides the future of the world. The one who was fated to destroy the darkness and purify all of creation, etc., and etc., and so on and so forth. She rolled her eyes, chugged the rest of the drink, and filled it again. So you found him? The mirror chuckled. <laughs> Indeed I did. A young lad named Aaron. She allowed herself to lean slightly against the wall in blatant relief. Thank the gods. I was starting to think this was just another fool's errand. She pushed away from the wall and breathed deeply. So where is he? The black shadows in the depths of the mirror parted, displaying a vista of rolling hills. It zoomed through them until a small village was nestled in the glade of a valley. You can find him in the village of Arun. She stared, momentarily struck mute. Her lips parted as if she was preparing to speak then closed, then opened again, then closed again. This pattern continued for an awkwardly long time, her eyes rapidly blinking as well. The mirror chuckled. <laughs> you look like a fish, witch. One of them little golden things the king used to keep in his pond. What did he call them? Goldfish? No. Koi? No, no. I've got it. A guppy. You look like a little guppy with your mouth puffing. Shut up. She interrupted the mirror, finally gaining control of her rebellious face and racing mind. You're telling me that the kid, the child of prophecy, the answer to the riddle, is Aaron, of the village of Aaron. Is that seriously what you're telling me right now? The mirror managed to give every impression of a smug grin. I know. It's absolutely brilliant. I couldn't have planned it better myself. She shook her head long and slow, feeling her irritation at the mirror evolve into the near-constant migraine she felt when she and the fates came in contact. She glanced at the goblet again, realizing she had emptied it and refilled it. She skipped the coffee this time. Then she glanced at the mirror again. 
wait a sec. Isn't that the village over on the other side of the void chasm from here? Indeed it is! She frowned at the mirror over the top of her goblet. Did you say something, you idiotic chunk of glass? It wasn't him, and apologize to the mirror. I'm sorry, mirror. I shouldn't have been. The sentence trailed off as she blinked slowly, horrified realization dawning on her face. Finally, she crumpled to the floor with a despairing wail. Son of a... She directed a glare in the general direction of somewhere beyond the ceiling of her cavern. I thought you were done torturing me. I'm sorry, torture. She threw up her hands in exasperation. Never mind. She looked at the mirror. So, just to verify this, we're looking for Aaron of Aaron. And I cannot believe I just said that. That's what I said, mistress. The inky clouds in the mirror gave what could only be an irritated swirl. Now, are we done here? I'd really like to go back to sleep. I was having this marvelous dream. Something about a stupid pale girl with red lips, a witch, and a bunch of singing short people. Think there was maybe something about an apple? She yawned and climbed to her feet. <sighs> Do what you want furniture. I'm going to take a shower. As she patted off, she untied the robe and let it fall behind her. She briefly thought of picking it up, but decided she'd do that before leaving instead. Excellent! You have the information you need? Good! It looks like it's time for a scene! Change! She fell onto the hard-packed dirt beneath her with a grunt. Ugh, son of a... She suddenly looked around, seeing the yawning gulf beside her. Did you... Is that the... She stopped speaking as she realized her voice was refusing to cooperate, and stared in horror at the chasm. Finally, she lifted her face back to the sky. Seriously? She climbed to her feet, slowly and carefully. Seriously. Did you seriously just do this? Did I do what? Transport you here? Yes. You're looking for that Aaron kid, right? Aaron? Was it Aaron? Aaron. Ah, yes. That's the name. Honestly, I just wasn't paying that much attention. Anyway, what are you complaining about? The village is just over there. The void chasm is right here, and thus behind you. I suppose I could have let you wander over here on your own, eventually, but that's just so boring. You always move so slowly. She grumped under her breath, just loud enough to be heard. Nobody asked you. You literally just did. She paused and caught her breath. She had learned slowly and over a great many years, that arguing with the narrator, what some viewed as proof of her insanity, rarely ended well for her. Then she caught sight of herself and frowned. Did you forget something? Hmm, let me see. Pointy hat, check. 
Big stick used for walking and beating people over the head? Check! Looks like I got everything! She stood up and deliberately gestured at her body. I'm naked! What about my robes? Ain't nobody wants to see old lady bits! Hmm. <laughs> You've obviously never dealt with teenagers! She began hopping in fury. Give me my robes! Oh, very well. With a pop of displaced air, her robes appeared beside her. She started to unfold them, and then realized what she was looking at. She shook her head and let them fall. My wizard robes! It's been hard enough to be taken seriously as a wizard without wearing lace and duckies. Yeah, whatever. This better? The duck-covered robes were replaced with plain black robes. Seconds later, she was fully dressed. Now, where the hell is this kid? Seriously? She rolled her eyes, leaned on her staff, and started working her way towards the village of Aaron, muttering incomprehensible curses the entire time. Hey, witch lady, why are you yelling? She spun around, one hand sheathed in Eldritch flame and fully extended. Who in the name of twelve major and five times as many minor deities are you? Without any seeming movement, the boy had jumped over the top of a cart and crouched behind it. She had to admit he had spectacular reflexes. He popped his head up slightly. You going to torch me, lady? She shrugged slightly, looking at the dark fire encasing her hand. Not too likely. Who are you? He walked around the cart, eyeing her hand warily. They say my name's Aaron. She blinked slowly. She wanted to make a comment, but the way he kept staring at her was disconcerting. She issued a short mental correction. It wasn't the way he stared at her. It was the way one eye kept focused on her face, and the other one seemed to have a mind of its own. It kept wandering off and staring in random directions. So why was you yowling like a barn kitten heat back there, witch lady? What does sky ever do to you? She frowned, casting a dark look at the still silent sky. That's a long, involved, and unbelievable story, kid. She glanced at his face, shuddered away from that roving eyeball, and thought back to what he'd said a moment earlier. Wait. You said your name's Aaron? At his nod, her frown deepened. So, what village you from, kid? He laughed. <laughs> Aaron, obviously. I mean, it's the only one nearby. He jabbed a thumb into his chest. Aaron of Aaron. They calls me EA for short. He chuckled. Less of a tongue stumbler that way. He narrowed his eyes in sudden suspicion his entire form tensing. Say, just what kind of a witch is ya, if you can't even figure that much out? She swore briefly. <sighs> Not a witch, kid. I said they called me E.A. She arched an eyebrow. Seriously? You gonna let me talk, kid? She crossed her arms and waited for him to speak. When he didn't, she pointed to her hat. This? Isn't a witch's hat. I went to school for near 300 years to get this damnable thing. 
I'm a wizard, boy. EA frowned. Three hundred? He looked closely into her face, at least with one eye. The other one seemed to have become fascinated with something in the vicinity of her boots. I don't buy it, lady. You're an ancient old crone, right enough. But you don't look to be in the third set of centuries. She smiled coldly, the light seeming to fade around her face. Her eyes glinted in gathering shadows. What know ye of wizards, boy? Her voice had dropped to an ominous and echoing baritone. Are you serious right now? You're going to pull the ominous visual and auditory effects card? Son of a! Just like that, her voice was normal and the shadows vanished. She glared at the sky, one fist shaking in rage. You can just shut right the hell up! EA looked around. Who are you yelling at now, lady? Well, why don't you answer the lad? We both know he'll never believe you, but you could at least try to tell him. It'll be amusing, if nothing else. She threw a lightning bolt into the sky, muttered an oath under her breath, and turned to face the boy. You wouldn't believe me even if I told you, lad. He kicked at the dirt. Seriously? What's so hard about my name? You don't even have to call me Aaron. E-A does nicely. Just two letters. It's more work to keep calling me kid. She glared at him. She didn't have the patience for children. The mirror was bad enough. Whatever. With a heavy sigh, she shook her head. <sighs> Listen. You know what's going on out there, right? She accompanied this with a vague gesture that seemed to roughly indicate the wider world around them. He frowned. How dare? What's going on? You mean Lord Draws attempts to take over all the lands and submit us all to his eternal dark rule? She quirked an amused eyebrow, one corner of her lip lifting as well. Yeah, that'd be what I'm talking about. He snorted. <laughs> Ain't it a blessed thing? When she coughed, he <clears throat> colored in irritation. I mean, of course I owe that much, obviously. All the townies is talking about it. But nothing beyond it. Nobody's saying nothing about why he's so evil or how to stop him or anything like that. She attempted a warm smile. She wasn't very good at it and suspected it came across as only slightly less cold. That's where you come in, EA. There's a big thing I think you can help me out with. He narrowed his eyes. And what would that be, lady? He took a step back. You ain't about to get me into one of them kitty brothels. I maybe ain't smart, but I definitely ain't that dumb. She rolled her eyes and forced herself to breathe deeply in order to suppress the urge to throttle the whelp. After reciting the mantra of the seven drunken sisters twice, in reverse rushing, she was able to force herself to speak calmly. Listen, kid. We have a window of opportunity here. Turns out there's a way to take him down. What do you mean by that, lady? Take him down as in knock him out of power? Or take him down as in take him out? He drew a finger across his throat in a stereotypical gesture. She growled deep in her throat, fighting to keep her voice normal. Yes. Aaron, take him out. As in kill him. 
but you're integral to any plan that has any chance of working. He frowned in thought, and it looked like it hurt. But then he brightened and nearly began to dance. It was grotesque. You mean I'm the chosen one? Like all the stories talk about? Inwardly, she shuddered at the lack of intelligence and utter potential for destruction inherent in this imbecilic child's purity. Outwardly, she nodded encouragingly. Not too bright, this one. She shot a warning glance at the voice, then smiled full in the kid's face. Yes, just like in the stories. He scratched at his dirty neck, still half-bouncing in that odd little dance. Good. When we leaving? Well, that's kind of up to you, kid. Do you need to talk to your parents? Guardians? She mentally added a few other words to that list, each less complimentary than the last. Got anybody else you need to let know where you're going? He shook his head. She hadn't noticed the fleas before. She shuddered and made a mental note not to let him touch her. Nah, Ma died back when I was maybe free, during that dragonpox outbreak. Not long after, Pa run off with a centaur filly. She nodded, her mind carefully edging away from the implications of this boy's father having relations with a creature where the business half was equine. Good. Hope you have some decent shoes, lad, because it's going to be a long walk. This is going to be so much fun! I won't even have to interfere for what's coming. I wonder where I put my snacks. She curled her lip. Enough from you. EA looked around curiously. You talking to the sky again, lady? She shrugged. Feels that way sometimes, kid. Mumbling one last incantation under her breath, she extended her finger and placed it gently on the wood. It immediately caught fire, roaring into a full blaze in seconds. She leaned back, resting against the cool rock. It had been a rough few weeks. For being a street rat, EA had proven remarkably incapable of even the most rudimentary level of taking care of himself. With a gentle curse, she stood, stretched, and began getting the rest of the camp ready. She would have been fine with a fire and a blanket roll, but she knew from hard-earned experience, gained primarily from listening to a remarkably never-ending series of complaints the first couple of nights, that the child would need more. She waved her hand, calling out a goblet of coffee and brandy from her cavern. She sipped it, or rather gulped it down ravenously, only to discover that she had neglected to add the brandy. With a grin, she refilled it and shot down another one. All this while directing tents and sleeping rolls to arrange themselves properly. Shortly after her third goblet, and final tent, Aaron strolled back into the clearing. She glanced at him, eyes slightly unfocused, and frowned coldly. You've been gone for hours, kid. You can't even bring a wyvern youngling for dinner? She gave a sad little <sighs> sigh. I could do with wyvern youngling. Rub some spice, add a bit of sear. Good stuff, that. The boy said nothing, but held up a struggling sack from behind his back with a grin. After smacking it on the ground a couple times, he dumped the contents out on the ground and looked at her with a wide grin. Dinner? 
She glanced at the creature that tumbled out once. Then she looked at the boy and back at the creature. Then she repeated the back and forth with finally dawning horror. Wait a second! Is... is that what I think it is? She shook her head in disbelief. The small creature stood there, legs trembling against the effects of the nearly bone-breaking attack it had received at Aaron's hands. Blood stained the tawny fur in several places. The wings, still too small and weak to allow flight, were vibrating with the same anger that caused the scorpion tail to stand straight up from the body. She turned to stare at the boy. You brought a man to Corkit? By the siblings, you brought a damnable manticore kit? Her ire peaked, and she nearly blasted the boy into his constituent atoms, but was able to restrain herself. That seemed to be the entirety of her life lately, barely stopping herself from killing the spectacularly idiotic child. Do you have even the slightest hint, the vaguest clue, what in the twenty circles of hell you've done to us? He blinked slowly, a frown crossing his young face. Brought us meat for dinner. She spun in a circle and muttered a sharp incantation. The fire was immediately extinguished. The camping equipment once more banished to the nether realm. She stared at him in horror for several long moments. You do know what is going to happen once the mother returns to her den, right? What will happen immediately after she finds her kit missing? She pointed a long finger at the creature. Get that bloody thing away from here. Take it back into the forest, somewhere, anywhere, just as long as it's a good distance away. Then get back here. Don't dawdle. We need to make tracks and fast. E.A. shrugged. Whatever, witch lady. He walked over to the thing, grabbed the scorpion tail as it attempted to strike him, and used that leverage to slam the kit into the ground and then roll it into the sack. The whole thing took seconds. She had to admit, it was impressive how quickly he could move and work when it didn't require intelligence. In seconds, he had the bag cinched closed and was dragging it behind him as he stalked out of the camp. Minutes later, there was a roaring screech from overhead. The tone was angry, and hungry, and hunting. She began walking away from the camp quickly. She knew what would happen next and didn't want to be around for the creature to link her with the boy. Seconds later, before she'd managed more than a dozen steps, there was the agonized scream of a small boy, <coughs> and then silence. She swore softly, at great length, and began picking up her pace. And another one? Bites the dust. She stumbled against the wall of her cavern, barking one knuckle on the stone. Damn it! Do you have to do that? She sucked the blood away from the knuckle and shivered in the sudden chill. Mm, blast and scorch it! I could have sworn I left the thermospell set warmer than this. The mirror had woken up with her scream. What in the hells are you doing back? Where's the... Oh. The mirror didn't sound either surprised or disappointed. If anything, it sounded amused. Again? 
You lost another one? What got this one, Felsenda? She swore violently, threw her hat and staff into the corner, and called out a bottle of brandy. She decided against the goblet this time. Bloody idiot decided to have manticore kit for dinner. The mirror laughed. (laughs) So how many does this make? She finished off the bottle and refilled it. Damned if I know. Ten? Fifteen? The mirror was silent for a second and then began flashing faces across its surface. Not even close, boss. We're closer to thirty at this point. So, any plans for a new one? Preferably one that couldn't be replaced with a bag of potatoes? She waved her hand negligently, watching the emptied bottle refill quickly again. After draining half of it, she shrugged. Probably. She glanced at the mirror. Do you have any other candidates available? The mirror gave every appearance of a smirk. You know the deal, Felsenda. You don't get a new search query without the ritual. She swore under her breath, (sighs) silently questioning the capriciousness of whatever deity decided she was the best guardian of this particular mirror. She sat in her favorite chair, the wooden one nearly as old as her with overly large and stuffed cushions. Then she leaned back with a sigh, rubbing her forehead with one hand and contemplating the half-empty <sighs> bottle in the other. I'm not nearly drunk enough for this. She drained the bottle and then disappeared it. With a grunt, <sighs> she stumbled to her feet and then swayed over to her storage cabinet. Right. So, first things first. She glanced over her shoulder at the mirror. You're sure about this ingredient list? The blood of a virgin taken on the rise of the first new moon of the year? That's rare stuff. I've only got about a half bottle left. That's what the ritual demands, my dear wizardess. She shrugged. You're certain I can't interest you in some nice myrrh-blood? Drawn from the dorsal after the last moot of the century. The mirror sounded affronted. As if I would ever stoop to blood, You should know better, Felsinda. It has to be precisely as the ritual demands. If it isn't, you get nothing. You know the deal as well as I do. She shook her head in irritation, measured out a precise amount from the bottle, and shoved it back into the magically refrigerated cabinet. Then she dumped the fluid into a cauldron near the fireplace. While there, she checked the familiar scroll and returned to her stores. Whalebile? Check. Eye of Fire Lizard? Got it. Scales harvested from a mating asp in the morning dew? Check. By the sister, am I making dinner or a potion? Half an hour later, she placed all the ingredients in the cauldron and placed it in the fireplace. So it has to boil overnight, meaning this crone is headed to bed. I need my beauty sleep. There was a dry (laughs) chuckle from the mirror. Shut up, you! She pointed a warning finger at the mirror. Good enough. Time for some shut-eye. As she wandered up the stairs, she cast another glance at the mirror. Maybe you can get me someone who will last longer than a day this time. No promises, my drunken friend. We'll see what comes up. Good night.
That's the end. Well, that was blissfully quiet on the noise floor front. For a second. Yeah. The story was good, though. story was great. And special thanks to my brother, Tony Grappen, for being the voice of Aaron of A-Run. Aaron who? Aaron of A-Run. Aaron? Sorry, E-A. Aaron? Yeah. Me? Was the story about me? Yes. Was Tony pretending to be me? Yes. If I were a boy? A cockney boy, yeah. Yes, I would agree with this. Okay, then. Yeah. Canon accepted. Yeah. I like canons. Now, that was a really great story, but... <laughs> so Lachlan seems to be saying that that our, our meal so far is a little bit bland. We need to zing it up a little bit. You know what would work? Salt. And what is salt? A mineral that we get from places. Ooh, ooh, ooh! I know, I know, I know. It's a season. Ing. A little seasoning. Oh, you mean one of those times when we get a person who is a professional in in the writerly areas. And we ask them questions and talk with them. An interview. That. Yes. Okay, so how about a little seasoning? Yeah. Hello, lexiconosaurs and word chefs. We are here with another little seasoning. Ah, little seasoning, because I can't speak. With author, podcaster, Nobilis Reed. Hi, Nobilis. Hello, August. All right, so I have mentioned before in these interviews that I suck at introductions, so I'm going to let you do the honors and tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, my name is Nobilis Reed. I am an author and podcaster. Uh, Most people will know me from the Nobilis Erotica podcast, which is the best podcast of erotic science fiction and fantasy stories. I know it's the best because it's the only one. Unfortunately, that also makes it the worst. Uh, more recently, I have started a podcast with my friend Greg Larson called This Kaiju Life, uh, which Greg writes and I narrate. It's nice uh, little division of labor that means that I can get them done pretty quick. Uh, and uh, there are 10, 10 to 20 minutes weekly of uh, an audio diary of a guy who's just an ordinary IT tech guy uh, who works at this uh, at Kaiju Research Labs, uh, which is a place that studies giant monsters and also contains giant monsters and feeds them and does all kinds of strange stuff with them. And he's not exactly sure what, but nevertheless, it's just his job to keep the tech running. So that's what he does. And he has all kinds of really weird adventures. And people tell me it's really funny. It sounds like a blast. I I do have had the honor of being a guest voice on one episode, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I need to actually go and really listen to the podcast itself. That was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I I have to say that um, a live episode really kind of brings things up a notch when you have a full cast and all that stuff. I read most of the episodes myself alone, which is just fine um, because it gets it done a lot quicker. Um, Yeah. If we did a full cast every time, they'd come out like every three months. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, don't expect that quite that level every time, but it's still the same guy writing it. And when it comes to funny, that's uh, that's really important. So Greg's a whole lot funnier than I am. 
<laughs> but the story is what's excellent. Um, so how much you, you've mentioned that Greg does do the writing on it. Do you have any like sort of consultative status? Yeah, um, he sends me a script and then I will, um, I will do an editing pass on it. Um, you know, cause it, Greg being an IT guy, you know, documentation is not his strong suit. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Uh, he, you know, fix, uh, you know, fix little grammar errors or maybe make something clearer or, you know, change a word if there's something, um, a repeated word or something that doesn't sound good. Uh, sometimes I'll even edit on the fly while I'm recording it and I'm like, okay, that didn't make any sense. Let me you know, figure that out and I'll re- rejigger it a little bit. Um, the broad strokes are him. Um, I'm mainly just doing some light editing as I go. Um, I don't have, but I don't have any input on like characters and stuff. Uh, in fact, it might be better if I did because sometimes he throws accents at me that I'm not well prepared <laughs> for. Uh, but I just give it my best shot because this is not like the average episode of this kaiju life is not uh, a performance. It's just this guy recording his life. So if he if his Brooklyn accent occasionally drifts into a Jewish accent, well, that's just because Jim, the main character, the guy who's doing all this, isn't good at accents. You know? <laughs> so I'm all covered on that. You know, it's just, you know, it's like, OK, that didn't exactly sound like, um, you know, uh, a valley girl. Well, of course not. That's because this is just Jim re- recording it into his uh into his into his PDA into his cell phone, uh, you know, just documenting his life. He's not supposed to be anything more than that. So that makes right. it really easy to really easy to put together by having that kind of conceit behind it. Um, uh, it, it reminds me of, um, it, and here I'm going to go from about the lowest brow thrown together. It is what it is to one of the finest books I've ever read. And that is the use of second person in uh, N.K. Jemisin's uh, uh, Shattered, Shattered Sky or whatever it is, trilogy, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Broken Earth. Um, you don't find out why, it's, why so much of the books are in second person until the very end, and it absolutely works. And it completely supports the entire structure of the book. I'm not going to spoil it because everybody should read it on their own. But nevertheless, you know, people get the first book and it's like, well, she's using second person. That's really weird. And mm. it's like, no, that was a masterstroke. <laughs> I'm, I'm not familiar with those. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, it's one, like each individual book of the series One, I think it was the Hugo. Um, wow. which is like the first trilogy ever to do that. Usually like they wait till the last book or the first book gets it and then they ignore the rest or what have you. Mm-hmm. But this was like bang, 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 one year after the other. Um, she lo- she owned it. <laughs> yeah, and for good reason. A feat. Yeah. So, okay. So you are in, uh, you are like the narrator, the audio producer, and in some ways the editor of this Kaiju Life, but you did mention that you have another podcast uh-huh. and you have done, you have done stuff where you have written specifically for audio, correct? Yes, that is correct. I have written, I've written audio dramas. I've written, uh, most of my work is read is meant to be read out loud. Um, that's where most of my audience is. Um, uh, so I've always kind of got that in mind. How is this going to sound when I write it? 
Um, now that limits me to some extent. I can't do, I, I can't do certain things that only work on the page, right? If there's some kind of audio auditory pun that only makes sense when you read it out loud, mm -hmm. that falls completely flat when you're reading it out loud, right? <laughs> um, uh, I, I remember um, this was a story that was in like Boy's Life way back in the early 70s because I remember I was in I was in elementary school fifth or sixth grade when this happened and I thought this was a great story I'd read it and um, I actually brought the story in to show and tell this is the first time I ever read fiction in front of people Aww. Um, and it was a whole story and the problem was that at the the, the um, it was it happened in a natural history museum and the clue that the the boy detective figures out at the end of the story was given to him at the beginning of the story in writing mm -hmm. by someone who was not very good at 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 words you know somebody not with a, without a good education and a word that had the word try and the name sarah and the last name tops Mm -hmm. in it and but reading it out loud it was like oh he means triceratops go look at the triceratops in the natural history museum that's where the clue is leading and right. and i was as i was sitting there reading it, i'm like oh crap i just gave it all away because i read it out loud so there's certain things that i don't mm -hmm. do because they won't work if they're read out loud that's not a huge limitation i mean the number of mm -hmm. stories where that's important is really small but Nevertheless, it's something I have in mind as I write all the time. Yeah, that's actually one thing I'm, I'm curious about. Since you're doing the editing for this Kaiju Life, um, what are you finding makes you approach things differently when you're actually writing for audio as opposed to when you're editing somebody else's for reading it? Uh, I mean, well, okay. First of all, the, 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 I'm going to reverse that a little bit in mm -hmm. that reading your work out loud is an excellent way to self-edit to find all kinds of problems that you mm -hmm. won't find working on the page or much less likely to find um yes. for example uh, re repeated words you are much more likely to find to figure out that i just used the word just four times in a paragraph mm -hmm when you're reading it out loud because you're engaging different parts of your brain so it's like that backwards thing but but then but okay no, no i'm of the opinion that there's two kinds of people in the world there are people who have a constant conversation in their heads all the time there's always words they are you know when they think about something they think in words and i'm actually not one of those people now, it's not to say that I can't do it. I can, you know, imagine how something will sound, but I don't do it. It's not the way my brain works just on a regular basis. I, I, my brain is much more focused on, on sounds and images and, and, uh, and um, those kinds of things when I'm thinking about something than, than the words. Yeah. So in order to get the word part engaged, I kind of have to actively imagine what it'll sound like. Mm -hmm. um, I imagine that there are other people for whom the reverse is true, that they can't read something without 
the words being like almost audible inside their heads. Um, it's just not, it's just not how my brain works. So, um, yeah, that's, that's like a, that's a, a, a step in the process of writing for me is imagining what it's going to sound like. Mm. Well, considering how much audio you do, that does make sense. Mm. Um, I'm wondering just because so many of our listeners are fledgling writers, what are some red flags for if you're looking at something for audio? What are, what are some things that you just absolutely know to avoid? Well, I mean, when it comes to the structure of a story, there are certain stories that use like typographical um, manipulation to, uh, 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 to tell the story that simply can't mm-hmm. be done in audio at all. Um, uh, like um, having, having the narrative split up into two columns and happening simultaneously in two sets of words um, right. is one thing that I've seen. Or there's um, a book called uh, House of Leaves um, uh, uh, by um, Mark Staniluski, um that is full, full of typographical games. And you know, changing the colors of the words, and whether the page is oriented, you know, portrait a landscape, and having words that are at strange angles and stuff like that. I mean, it's. I mean, you can make an audiobook from this, but it certainly won't be anything like the print version. Mm-hmm. Um, so any kind of that stuff is just like, okay, I just not going to even touch that. But beyond that, um, there's. There are certain ways of using language that when you say them out loud, the a large proportion of the population will start laughing um, because it sounds silly, but it doesn't feel silly to sit and read it so much. Um, and since I work in erotica, there's a lot of that level of stuff. Um, I recently. Um, picked up uh, a, a book, an audio book, um, uh, that was um, uh, another, <laughs> strangely enough, another house of, um, another house of book called House of Holes by Nicholson Baker, because it was presented, you know, as an erotic novel. And I tell you something, I don't know how the narrator managed to read these lines with a straight face. Yeah. I'm not saying the book is bad, but it's just, it is going for a reaction that I did not find particularly erotic. It really came off kind of puerile. Puerile is fine if that's what you were going for. It's not what I was looking for. Um, and, and so I actually didn't finish it. Um, which is a shame because there's been other books by Nicholson Baker that I've liked. Um, but in any case, um, yeah, the, 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 the spoken word version of a book is a different version. You have, for the one, for the one part, you have the narrator's in, interpretation of the work, which is, um, you know, should be obvious, but that's the one level of it. But also, you know, the spoken word engages us on different levels than the printed, printed word does. And, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, 
I still feel that when I, you know, the fact that I listen to the, um, the N.K. Jemison books rather than read them in print, I still feel like I have read them. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, th- these are books that I, that are part of my, 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 my part of myself now because I've consumed them, but it's mm-hmm. still not the same. It's not the same experience. Um, yeah. At least for me, partly because, like I said, my brain doesn't produce a, a monologue when I'm reading a book. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 the text kind of becomes images and sounds on its own. Um, now, maybe for somebody else, that'd be different, but I'm just talking, all I can speak to is my own experience. So, right. so that's really, I mean, when I'm choosing a story for my, for my uh, erotica podcast or listening mm-hmm. to an audiobook or something like that, it's, it's, you know, I'm paying attention to um, what, what is this going to be like to listen to. Mm-hmm. So just out of curiosity, when you are looking through submissions for your podcast, do you have any, you know, immediate yes or immediate no kind of things that you're looking for? Um, well, you'd be surprised how many people submit stories to a speculative fiction erotic podcast, which either have no speculative element, they're completely contemporary stories, or else have no sex. <laughs> so there's that whole kind of read the read the guidelines part, um, mm-hmm. which which is like you know you, there's the, this is not this is not right for the podcast just on the face of it. There's also a level where it's like is the language more likely to create sniggers? It was like mm-hmm. snickers, you know. Is it going to sound funny? Like bad innuendo. <laughs> Uh, bad in you, um, purple prose you've probably heard of with, with really flowery metaphors and stuff like that is like, no, no, just call the organs what they actually are and everybody's going to be just fine. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, uh, now, now I, I have a toe in the romance world because it's kind of slightly related to what I do. So from what I understand, uh, romance novels have stopped for the most part, using bad metaphors in sex. Um, oh, there's good. still kind of there's still kind of a school of them out there that do that, but but for the mm-hmm. most part, they're they're being a little more um, a little more frank in the language and in, in in those stories where you know sex happens. Um, there's a whole there's a whole subgenre where the sex doesn't happen until after the story's over. But um, uh, so I think that that that's a lot less common than it used to be, just because people aren't reading those kind the kinds of stories a lot where they exist. But I get occasionally get a submission like that. So that's another thing that will will disqualify is is you know vocabulary that's not really not really appropriate to what I'm doing. Um, and we also get a lot of um, vignettes that don't have a beginning, middle, and end. You know, mm-hmm. that don't have a character who's facing a challenge and either changes to confront it or resists change to confront it, but nevertheless is faced with a change and um, and reacts to it. Um, and it's like, you know, okay, now part of this may um, stem from a lot of fiction 
on uh, like AO3, which is, I really wish so-and-so and so-and-so in my favorite movie or book had, had banged. Um, well, I'm going to just go write that, you know, and that's fine. And that is great. And I have no problem with that. It just doesn't belong on my podcast. I want stories, right. not just, right. not just a scene that you wish you could have seen, but you know, a, a reason for that scene to have happened and the, a result to have come about as a result of it. Um, so, you know, like I said, a beginning, a middle, and an end, a, a narrative arc of some kind. Being a short story, there's a limit to how much of that there can be, but mm. there needs to be at least a nod to it. So we get a lot of stories that we, we reject for not actually, at least by my definition, being stories. They're, they're mm. vignettes, they're, they're, you know, scenes. Um, and sometimes we're like, oh man, I can kind of see that there's a seed of a story in there. But it hasn't. Right. But the whoever it is has kind of really f- focused too much on this one part. Give me some build up and give me some consequences, and then, mm-hmm. um, and then maybe that'll be with something we can we can buy. Right. So um, so that's that's a real big part of of the short story uh, market for me. Um, and from what I've seen, that's pretty much a basic requirement in most places. I mean, the only places that I've seen where um, plot is a, of, of, of an optional uh, element are uh, kind of highfalutin literary magazines that don't even pay money anyways. Um, so, uh, you know, because I, I, you know, occasionally read a short story out of one of those places and I'm like, what, what is this? This is, yeah. this is like haute cuisine. You've given me a plate with a, with a spiral of sauce and a cube of something and you tell me this is a meal? No, this is this is this is to to take your food analogy for your podcast, uh, you know, a little further. Yeah. This is this is a very interesting artistic expression, but I don't feel nourished. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we do have uh, our last question for today is the one question that we ask every author that we have come on here. It's one question every year, and this year the question is: I want you to think of the worst book you've ever read or just your least favorite book. You don't have to say what it is. Okay. What has that book taught you about writing? I don't tend to finish books I don't like. In fact, I don't tend to push very far into books that I don't like. Um, so I, I don't remember them very well. So the only one that I can think of right off the bat is, like I said, House of Holes by Nicholson Baker. And, and the lesson from that one is, um, you know, language matters. Vocabulary matters. To pick your words to fit with what you're doing. Um, uh, because if you don't take your vocabulary seriously, then your readers won't take you seriously. That's actually that really does apply to a lot else too. Oh yeah, I mean, there's there's a vocabulary to each different genre. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. So that's that, that's actually that's I, I like that. I, um, I mean, you could even go so far as to, to say take certain genres, like noir, for example, which mm-hmm. are defined almost entirely by the by the by language by the by the yeah. by the the um, the atmosphere. You know, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And yeah, that's that's definitely interesting. One so, of the reasons why um, everybody who wants to write in a particular genre needs to read it so that they know that vocabulary. Yes. Absolutely. And then the thing is, too, is if you are familiar with that language, that's when you can really start to tease it because you get something like, um, oh, I can't remember the name of the book now. It was uh, uh, making fun of the fantasy genre. There was a thing called the apostrophe, the apostropocalypse. Where a linguist, a linguist came in here and had to, you know, tweak this fake language that was made for a, like an MMO game, <laughs> and actually make reasons for there to be all these apostrophes in all these words. <laughs> well, the book that I was actually thinking of is Anne Lucky's um, uh, Ancillary Justice series. The, oh, yeah. her, um, uh, the way she um, changed the way she was using pronouns to bring mm-hmm. across. Uh, a, a significant aspect of setting. Um, mm-hmm. And again, another one I'm not going to, I don't want to spoil too much, but nevertheless, you know, recommend to everybody who writes science mm-hmm. fiction to at least, read, at least read the first book in the series. Um, yeah. It's a mind blower. Yeah, that's been on my to read list for a while. I need to get my hands on it. <laughs> you are in for a treat. It's a brilliant, and the, the audio, audiobook version is brilliantly narrated. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm looking at getting once I get, you know, get through some other stuff. I've got <laughs> such a huge to-read list. All right, Obelis, um, we do appreciate you coming on. If you would, just let our listeners know where they can find you and your creative stuff. Okay, well, if all you're interested in is the clean stuff, uh, you can find this Kaiju Life at kaiju.libsyn.com. Uh, and if, you've, if you're just fine with the naughty stuff, you can find the Erotica podcast at nobilis.libsyn.com. Um, and then if you really like that kind of stuff, I also have a Patreon campaign that you can join, but I'm not going to link to that because I want people to find the podcast first and decide that that's what they like before that, before I ask them to, to give me any money. Good man. All right. Thank you very much for being on. You're welcome. Anytime. Tasty. It's a little salty. I like salt. I also enjoy salt. Oh, we're still under construction, it sounds like. Yeah. You know what we should do? What? Throw this over to someone who's not under construction. I like that idea. Who might that be? I, I have other podcasting friends. We can just steal some of their audio and... That's not going to work, is it? No. Okay. No. What, what was your thought? A promo. That is the thing that I said. Yeah. Okay. You're special today. Oh, yeah. So is this new oven that we're getting. This thing had better be good. It's gonna be good. It has all the features. It's going to be able to cook a roast in four hours. Unlike you. Yeah. I couldn't cook you in four hours. No. <laughs> Maybe in little seconds. <laughs> Percussive maintenance. <laughs> oh, he's adding the water feature. Oh, okay. So uh... Wait, there's a water feature? <laughs> in case of fire. Yeah. If we let him cook. It has a self-regulated um, fire suppression system. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, something that's not on fire. A promo. Silen's life is on trial. They think he's a leech. A thief who steals people's magic and twists it to his own ends. As if that weren't enough, stealing magical talents leaves people soulless empty, and a breath away from death. The worst leech in history left hundreds of victims in his wake. 
and Prince Padero and General Brint think Silen is the monster behind those deaths. They are examining his entire life for criminal activity, and the witness accounts are telling a very different story than Silen remembers. Can Silen expose the truth and prove his innocence? Or has he been deluding himself and must now accept that he is a criminal from birth? Criminal from Birth, a new novel by A.F. Grappen, now available on Amazon in ebook and paperback. I feel promoted too. <laughs> well, you're not getting a promotion, so that's the best I like my job, thank I, you very much. I don't know, at our Balticon Live episode, T tried to steal his job. Yeah, he did. Tried to be the dish boy. But uh, my dishes are the cleanest. Yeah, that's <laughs> none are better. That's why we didn't even like consider his application. He got shut down. It was a very fast. assertive application. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why you fail. You gotta, you gotta put time and precision into your work. I prefer to put like time and rosemary. I like throwing things. And that's why you're in a different part of the kitchen. Uh huh. Management. So, so when you... <laughs> we broke our dishes. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you don't break dishes, we're fine. Actually, I'm the grill mistress. I deal with fire. Well, what's on the grill right now? Anything? That book. Artwork. I love that artwork. (laughs) Come here. I got it. It goes to my room. Come here. We need need a a maintenance update from our little construction worker here. Mm -hmm. Can you say hello? Hello. Say lexiconosaurs. Lexiconosaurs. Good job. Say, here's a mystery meal. Here's a mystery meal. Say, bon appetit. A bon appetit. A bon appetit. <laughs> Can I have that? No. <laughs> this is buddy. Yes. yes. Okay. Good job. Say bye-bye. Bye. Hi. Oh, hello. Hello. Oh. Greetings. And there's a Theo. See, he's real. We're all here. He's real. I exist. Why have we gathered here today, friends? Pie. Okay, kind of. I like pie. I enjoy pie. I'm going to go with that. Let's go with that. Pie. We've gathered gathered here because pie. What kind of pie? Mine. Round kind. Mine. I don't care what kind it is, as long as it's mine. Okay. (laughs) For me. It's a mystery pie. Ooh. Should we make a meal of it? That's just bad. <laughs> I don't know if I can forgive you for that. Yeah, well, you're not going to be able to forgive me for our mystery meal either. Yeah, we're doing a mystery meal. Yeah. That's really why we're gathered here. Today. Yes. <laughs> not yesterday. Not yesterday. Not Definitely not We're not yesterday. here yesterday. Meal tomorrow, meal yesterday, but never ever meal today? Yeah. Oh. So that means... Meta meal. No this problem. is actually happening tomorrow. Oh, God. I don't... Ah. Uh. Ah. Okay, so anyway, mystery meals are bad libs. We we do. <laughs> well all, said. That is all. So Theo, what yes. Is, what is our selection? This paper. You have selected this with paper. words on it. Now read the words. By the way, if you hear crashing in the background, that's a junior chef rearranging he's, things. He's cooking. Sure. He's making a mystery something. Anyway, what's our selection? Requested by our dear patron, Saucier Spence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is one of her Patreon rewards. She gets to pick a mystery meal every year. Awesome sauce. 
Get it? Saucier. I, I, I get it. Awesome sauce. But, uh, Sorry, Spence. Well, this is, because uh, it doesn't really have a title or author, this is the opening text crawls from the numbered Star Wars movies that have currently been released. Oh, dear. And that is what the paper confirms. Proceed. Star Wars. Oh, God. <laughs> George Lucas. Episode 4, A Drunk Hope. <laughs> Hi, Han. Oh, I mean, does that mean I have to say it in a drunken voice? No. Okay. It is a period of twisted war. Rebel electric scooters striking from a hidden base have won their first victory against the evil galactic empire. During the battle, rebel manicurists <laughs> managed to steal secret plans to the Empire's ultimate weapon, the Cushion Star. <laughs> an armored space station with enough power to schlep an entire planet. <laughs> that was one nice cushion. <laughs> it's a throw pillow. It's an armored cushion. <laughs> Nuzzled by the Empire's sinister agents, Princess Leia races home aboard her starship, custodian of the stolen plans that can save her people and restore Vaseline to the galaxy. <laughs> Greasy. <laughs> Episode 5. The Empire bamboozles back. <laughs> It is a dark time for the American Rabbit Breeders Association. <laughs> Although the Death Star has been destroyed, Imperial troops have driven rebel forces from their base and pursued them across Two Dot Montana. <laughs> it's a very small town. Didn't take very long. Evading the dreaded Imperial Starfleet, a group of freedom fighters led by Dave Robison has a stab... Has established a new secret base on the remote ice world of Hoth. The redundant redundant Lord Vader, (laughs) obsessed with Lord Vader, Vader. (laughs) 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 I got Aaron. You broke Aaron. Please continue. Darth Darth. Darth Darth. Darth 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 Darth. Darth. All right, Rihanna. Obsessed with finding young Skywalker, has dispatched 1,138 remote probes into the far reaches of space. (laughs) It's a very specific number. They're British. (laughs) They like to be exact. (laughs) Episode 6. The Special Delivery of the Jedi. It's that throw pillow again. So shouldn't that be episode three? Special delivery. <laughs> Large two topping. <laughs> Large two babies. <laughs> Luke Skywalker has returned to his home planet of Tatooine in an attempt to rescue his great niece, Han Solo, from the clutches of the vile mover, Jabba the Tombstone. <laughs> his great niece. <laughs> I think we're getting a little confused when it comes to the family lineage here. Well. (laughs) Little does Luke know that the Galactic Empire has slowly begun construction of a new armored space station even more cromulent than the first (laughs) dreaded Death Star. They're they're being really careful about constructing. (laughs) Yes, cromulent showed up. Now, we don't want any holes here. (laughs) When completed... 
This ultimate weapon will spell certain doom for the small band of rebels slurping. Yes, slurping to restore freedom to the galaxy. (laughs) I feel so free. Freedom slurp. Hashtag freedom slurp. Let's make it a thing, guys. Hashtag freedom slurp. Butts on trees? July 4th is coming. Butts on trees! (laughs) Freedom slurp. That's when you get a red, white, and blue icy. Yeah. Yes. The freedom slurp. Now in 52 ounces. (laughs) (laughs) Episode 14. (laughs) (laughs) The Phantom Menace. Skipped a few. Devil's Tic Tacs have engulfed (laughs) the Galactic Republic. The taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute. I'm oh. sorry, I'm still losing it over the devil's tic tacs. <laughs> the devil's tic tacs. They're hot. They're hot. <laughs> hey, peppermint is just cold spicy. <laughs> yes. They're hot. I'm crying, guys. Hoping to resolve the matter with a blockade of deadly monuments, <laughs> the Greedy Trade Federation has stopped all shipping to the electrified planet of the Closet Under the Stairs. <laughs> Poor Harry. That's where I hit the Tic Tacs! <laughs> with Harry? <laughs> While the Congress of the Republic endlessly debates this alarming chain of events, the Supreme Cartographer has secretly dispatched two Jedi mammogram specialists. Oh! They use the Force. <laughs> the guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy to settle the conflict. A pinchy. It's pinchy. Well, they avoid the whole cold hands thing. You know? <laughs> that, Episode... that, that, that's a Force push, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling a Force lump here. Like force lump. <laughs> It's a disturbance in the force. Anyway. It's my fist hitting your face. Ow. (laughs) Episode two. (laughs) Attack of the Tacos. Ooh. I like this one. Much better than in the theatrical release. There is a possum scrotum in the Galactic Senate. (laughs) I'd say there's more than a few in the Galactic Senate. Keith... Several thousand solar systems have snapped their intentions to leave the Republic. All right, Thanos. Oh, no, there was half of them. Oh, no, you didn't. (laughs) This separatist movement, under the leadership of the promiscuous Count Dooku... (laughs) Dooku? Dooku. ...has made it difficult for the limited number of Jedi Knights to to maintain peace and rioting in the galaxy. (laughs) Hashtag freedom slurp. (laughs) Is it like a pacifist rioting? They just kind of sit around and stare at each other? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Senator Bill Nye the Science Guy, (laughs) the former Queen of Naboo, (laughs) is returning to the Galactic Senate to vote on the critical issue of reaping the army of the Republic to assist the overwhelmed Jedi. Reaping. Devil's Tic Tacs. <laughs> oh, sorry. Former queen. Bill, 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 Bill. Anyway. Short for Wilhelmina? No. <laughs> no. You know what it is short for? Episode 3 Treasure Pile of the Sith. <laughs> <laughs> what are they, dragons now? <laughs> we like the shinies. Haven't you seen what uh, Darth Maul looks like? I yeah, it's like true. Look at my legs. 
They're gold plated. Anyway, cough syrup. The Republic is crumbling under attacks by the ruthless Sith Lord, Count Kesha. <laughs> oh, Kesha piles, shiny things. I get it. Get all those grills. There are heroes on both sides. Evil is everywhere. In a stunning move, the fiendish droid sandwich artist, General Grievous, has swept into the Republic capital and curb-stomped Chancellor Palpatine, leader of the Galactic Senate. I wish! (laughs) I would love to see that! Brutal. As the Separatist droid army attempts to flee the besieged capital with their operatic hostage, the Jedi Knights lead a desperate mission to munch the captive Chancellor. Munch, munch, munch. Hashtag Ganache, Ganache, ganash, ganashing. <laughs> oh dear. Episode 7 The Force Obfuscates. <laughs> what? That's not how it works. I can't see That's it. That's not how the Force works. <laughs> exactly. Luke Skywalker has engorged. Oh! I, I think he put on some pounds there, guys. <laughs> hey, age happens, alright? <laughs> He's going through the change. <laughs> like Bill Nye. <Yeah. laughs> In his absence, the sinister forced order has arisen from the ashes of the Empire and will not graze until Skywalker, <laughs> the last Jedi, has been destroyed. With support of the Republic, General... General Leia Organa leads a processed resistance. She is desperate to find her brother Luke and gain his help in restoring peace and justice to the four-pack of generic razors. (laughs) Leia has sent her most Homeric pilot on a secret mission to Jakku, where an old toenail has discovered a clue to Luke's whereabouts. An old toenail. old toenail. Mm -hmm. Okay, then. I guess that's another word for a hang-up. I don't know. (laughs) I get it. Episode 8, The Superfluous Jedi. (laughs) The First Order sharpens. Having decimated the peaceful Republic, supreme she who must be obeyed, Snoke. <laughs> Me. <laughs> now deploys his merciless legions to seize military control of the galaxy. Only General Leia Organa's band of resistance reciprocating saws stand against the rising tyranny, certain that Jedi Master Luke Skywalker will return and restore a mile of hope to the fight. But the resistance has been exposed as the First Order dances toward the <laughs> rebel base. I was Anyway, the brave heroes mount a desperate escape. Problem is, it's a conga line, so everyone just falls in. They're hanging on to each other. Someone's just gonna have to let go. Spence, thank you for this suggestion. This one was great. Wow. That was fun. That was a good one. Devil's Tic Tacs. <laughs> Devil's Tic Tac and the Freedom Slurp. Freedom Slurp. Hashtag Freedom Slurp. <laughs> so yeah, keep an eye out on Facebook, Twitter, for us asking for more things. Because we like things. I think I think the junior chef is tenderizing the meat or something. He's in there. tenderizing something. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that mystery meal is over. And uh, so, how's the oven coming? Um, the fan. Oh, the, you're still installing the fan part? Yeah. 
Okay. Um, it's spinning. It's oh, good. That's great. We yeah. like fans that spin. So, about how long is it going to take? <laughs> what do you need it for? Um, I need my thing. I need you, my board. You need your board? Are you yeah. making drawings? Yeah. Are you making plans? Yeah. Oh, he's blueprinting. Um, I need the brush. You need the brush? Okay. Well, how long is it going to take to fix it? Um, to work on it and brush it. To work on it and brush it? How um, long? To clean it. You need to clean it? Yeah. But for how long? When's it going to be ready? <laughs> we need to not use this contractor again. Yeah, he he, he totally doesn't have a plan. Yeah, I don't think he's qualified. He's not even giving us a timeline. No, I mean, come on. But he does have some blueprints. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So we're gonna just finish up this whole upgrade to the oven. Oh dear. <laughs> I'm not even sure we're talking about an oven anymore. <laughs> I mean, we've got a fan. He needs a brush. <laughs> yeah. Oh, And his marker. Don't forget the marker. He's got to make some adjustments with the drawings. <laughs> well, you know what we need to... We... Um, can you help me? Help with the construction dish, boy. This is so cute. Design a new kitchen for us, okay, Bubs? Yeah. You gonna draw us a new oven? No. What are you gonna draw us? Um, some purple. Ooh. It's gonna be really interesting We're considering get... you have one color. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna get some purple. Out of out of something that is not purple. You know, you know what else would be really great for us to have? What? More Patreon backers. Like Spence. Yeah. Yeah. She's Spence. gotten some pretty great perks. She really has. She's gotten a lot of physical swag. She gets to pick a mystery meal every year. She got that fancy ass title. I know, right? You know how you can get stuff like that? Throw dollars at us. Seriously, as little as a dollar an episode will will get you physical swag and other ways to participate with the podcast. Get access to our Patreon backer only episode every year. So Which is some of my favorite work we've ever done. Mm-hmm. And did we mention swag? And swag. Swag. Um, you can potentially... Um, swag. Yeah, you can squash, squash. Um, you can create a prompt every year. I mean, you can always create prompts, yeah, but, but, but if you do this, it's guaranteed that we'll use it. Yeah. Um, lots of other stuff. Like I said, go go check out patreon.com slash Podcast to see what's available. And we are, guys, we are so close to being able to pay writers. Yeah. Last time I checked, we were like $4 an episode away from that. That's Yay. pretty big. That's awesome. <sighs> we want that. You know what else we want? We want you. To go to iTunes. And leave us 70 stars. Hey, little man. Will you draw 70 stars? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah. See, be like a toddler. Taller. <laughs> taller. <laughs> be like the toddler, except taller. <laughs> you know what? Let's go with it. And leave reviews of five stars. 70. We've gone over this before. Create enough accounts... That each five, so you can add up to at least 70 stars. Yes. So, yeah. 15 reviews. And two. 
Five stars each. That's 75 stars. We haven't even... That's oh. been terrible. Holy... We need to rethink this. I like to up my game. Oh. You're not upping your game. You're upping their game. Mm-hmm. Because Ew. if they're... Ew. <laughs> <laughs> because if you're going to be like the toddler, but taller, you need to do what we ask. <laughs> Except you're a toddler, so you'll just do whatever you want to do. <laughs> but taller. But taller. <laughs> and you know what tall toddlers also do? <laughs> they go to our swag shop. Shop.spreadshirt.com slash the melting podcast. That one. Where you can buy shirts for toddlers and tall toddlers. <laughs> and aprons. For tall toddlers. And and mugs. For tall toddlers. <laughs> for the coffee you need to drink if you have a toddler. Are we going to have sippy cups in that selection now? I don't know if that's a possibility. I can look into it, though. <laughs> That'd be great. Hashtag tall toddlers. <laughs> no, if it was a hashtag toddler, but taller. You toddler, have, but taller. Can we make, like, a Patreon title? <laughs> the tall toddler? Oh, God. I could, but no. Aww. No. But if you're a Patreon backer at, I think, the $10 level or up, and you do that for a year, you can have your... Official kitchen crew title B, Tall Toddler. Can you help me? <laughs> no, you are beyond help. Pencils? No, you're not getting those pencils. Why do you need them? one. What are you working on? Helping. He's Helping. Working on the Helping. Well, thank you. <laughs> so, so speaking of Patreon backer perks and everything, we mentioned the prompts. We always have two... Open ones. Well, prompt number 19 is closed, guys. That one's gone. <sighs> so sad. But as a consolation prize, we have prompt 20. Yeah. Which is still open. The forecast called for heavy snowstorms. But what's falling from the sky is not snow. And prompt number 21, brand new. Brand new. You found a star that actually grants wishes. And this is a prompt submitted by our dish boy himself. Yeah. Now, my brain has gone to, it doesn't say it has to be a star in the sky. I'm thinking like a celebrity. Yeah, you could go any way you want. It could be a rock that's shaped like a star. It could be... A star fruit. Mm Mm-hmm. You can interpret that so many ways. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. And shoot, even the word grant, you can can, um, interpret differently. Like, there's just a guy named Grant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now, don't steal all of their creativity. I'm, not. I'm just trying to help spark something. Uh oh. <laughs> oh god. We have enough sparks. The new oven's sparking. Oh, oh no. no. Okay. We should go. Yeah, we gotta go. We're not up to code. No. Well, it's happened when you let a tall toddler, even a short toddler, do your construction. Yeah, gotta go. Bye. So, so, send us stuff. We'll use it to feed the masses. Ah! ah! Thank you for listening to The Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Melting Podcast. Or you can email us themeltingpodcast at gmail.com. The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it as long as you don't change it don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by the Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Rich Creek. Send us stuff! <laughs>